a whole fresh start. So it just kind of feels like a new year gives you a chance to push a reset button, start over. This next year is going to be so much better than last year and things are going to be so much different. I'm going to be more dedicated. I'm going to be more active. I'm going to be more devoted. We have all of these great hopes and ideas of how we can have a far greater faith than what we have had maybe that we've struggled with in this past year. We've been looking at the book of Malachi that has talked about how we can have that kind of faith. And we're in a section now this morning where God is going to talk about how sending his son or God himself coming into the world is actually supposed to cause a fresh faith for the people. And it was supposed to cause a radical change for their lives. And that's what we're going to spend our time looking at is how God looked at what that was supposed to mean for all the people. So if you have your Bibles, Malachi chapter 2, if you don't know where that is and you're just kind of thumbing around, if you find Matthew, you're really close. Back up one book and you're there. And if you don't even want to bother with that, there's a pew Bible in front of you, page 954, and you're good to go. Malachi chapter 2 is where we're at. Now, As we read this verse, I want to note something really quick. If it's your first time here in the book of Malachi, one of the things that's particularly curious about the interaction with God and his people is God will make a statement and the people will argue with it every single time. God will say, here's this important truth. And the people will go, no, that can't be right. And then God explains why it is right. And I want you to see the same thing here. Verse 17 of Malachi 2, God says, You are tiring me out with your words. (laughs) The way you guys talk, I am wearied by it. Now, if you're a parent, you understand that. You understand what God's getting at. The way you talk about me, the way you talk about my character, the way you talk about what I'm doing, I'm tired of it. You're wearying me with your words. Now, notice what the people do with that. Well, what do you mean? How have we wearied you with our words? How could that possibly, what are we saying about you that is so terrible? That's what they ask back. We don't think we're wearying you. What are we saying that's so awful? Now, I want you to notice what the people are thinking and saying in the middle of verse 17. He says, by saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them, or by asking Where is the God of justice? I want you to think about what they're saying. Here's their perspective on God. They're saying God doesn't do anything. Where's the God of justice? In fact, you'll notice in the middle, he says, they say everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. And he delights in them to put it another way. God doesn't care if we sin. He doesn't care if we're doing evil. In fact, our evil is good before God, and he still delights in us, even if we're sinning. Where's the God of justice? If he really cares about sin, why won't we see him doing anything? Why doesn't he judge? Clearly, we're all fine. If we go on on continuing in our sins, God's going to still delight in us, and everything's going to be just fine. That's what they're saying. Now, I think this is an interesting perspective to think about, to say that, well, God doesn't really care about our sins and he still delights in us, even though we're breaking his commands. Two things I want you to think about. Number one, a hundred years earlier, God showed that he cared about their sins by judging the nation, destroying Jerusalem and putting them into Babylonian captivity. So it's really curious 
that a hundred years later they go, oh, God doesn't really care what we do. And you kind of want to go, let's just back up in your history books just a few pages and remember that God showed that he cared about sin and judgment and, and, and what they were doing in their evil and actually did something about it. But I want you to think about another perspective. You ever heard this idea today? Ah, God doesn't care. It doesn't really matter. You, you, God delights in our sins. He's never going to do anything. Where's the God of justice? It doesn't matter. It's all going to be fine. You just do you and you live how you want to live. And God's going to be perfectly fine with that. He's still going to delight in you and everything's a-okay. So you just go on doing you and it's going to be great. I mean, that's kind of the world we live in right now. That's the religious air that everybody breathes in. It's all fine. Go to church today. High fives all around. Yay, Jesus. We'll all go home and we'll all just keep doing what we're doing. It's great. No problem, right? Well, that's what they were saying. They're saying, no, God's not going to do anything. It's fine. We all like God. He's there. He's great. It's going to be fine. So how's God going to answer that? The people say God doesn't care. You can do what you want to do. How's God going to respond to that? Why don't you notice what he says in verse 1. In verse 1 of, of chapter 3, he says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. And behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. I want you just to think about, here's God's answer. They say, God doesn't care. God's not doing anything. God says, okay, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, we're sure we're going to really want to say, hey, God doesn't care. God goes, oh, no, here's my solution for you. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come. Now, before I come, I'm going to send a messenger. I'm going to send someone before me. He's going to prepare the way. And we come into the New Testament. We read there in many different places. That was pointing to John the baptizer. John is going to come. And when he comes, he's going to go around telling everybody, the Lord's coming. You need to get ready. And Malachi is, is prophesying that. He's saying, here's my answer to the problem of sin and saying that God doesn't care. I myself am going to come. And he says, even in verse one, I'm going to suddenly come into the temple and I'm going to come and deliver this covenant. Now, I don't have time to explode that verse right there. If you live in the area, I would love for it to have, come back in January. I'm restarting our Matthew series, the final three chapters of Matthew. And we're going to actually see all that happen right there in that text that's talking about that. Don't have time today, but would love to have you back next month. And we're going to be walking through seeing this Jesus come and deliver the covenant and how he's going to do that. But notice it's promised here by Malachi. Here's my answer to the problem of sin and your concern about a God of justice and God doesn't care. I'm going to come. Now, what do you think the next sentence is going to be of God saying, I'm going to come and I'm going to deal with this situation and answer this question that you have? Look at verse two. He says in verse two, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? I don't know that that would have been the first thought I would have. You know, I was trying to think because here we are in this season and time of year and everybody likes to sing songs about Jesus coming. And I'm trying to think of a song that says, and who can endure his coming? 
And who can stand when he arrives? I missed that song. We need to write one of those because that's exactly what God said was going to happen. I'm going to come and you're not going to be great about that. You're not going to be able to endure it. You're not going to be able to stand. It's not what you think it's going to be when I get there. In fact, I want you to notice how it's described there in verse two. He says, for he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap or a launderer's soap. The picture that is being given here is when he comes, he's going to deal with sin. He is going to bring justice. He is going to give the answer. The people are saying God doesn't care. And God says, no, no, I'm going to show you that I care. I'm going to show you that I'm going to come and I'm going to deal with sin, but I'm going to deal with it in a way that you wouldn't expect. He says, I'm going to deal with it like a refiner and like a purifier. All right, let's think about that picture for a minute. A refining picture is really neat. That's a really neat picture. Because the whole idea of refining a metal is to try to get all the impurities, the things that cause the metal not to have value to be removed. That's what you're trying to do. You ever see any, it's like a million gold shows on TV anymore, right? You ever see them try to do all that? All right, we got to put it in this really intense heat and we start melting off all of these other alloys and invaluable things so that we have the pure gold and there's the value. And here's what God is saying. Here's what I'm going to come and do. I'm going to put you in a fire. It's going to be a refiner's fire. And I'm going to melt off everything that is impure. Everything that doesn't have value. It's going to melt all that away. Same imagery with what he says there in in, in verse 2 as well. This launderer's soap. What's the point of that? We're cleaning off everything that's ruining the clothing, right? We're trying to get off all the spots, all the stains, all the dirt. We're going to come here and we're going to burn off the impurities. We're going to cleanse off all the dirt and all the stains. We're going to make things clean. So I want you to hear the picture that God is giving here. He says, so when I come, I'm not coming to destroy. That's not the point of a refiner's fire. You aren't trying to destroy the metal. You're trying to purify the metal. When you're putting your laundry in and you're cleansing it with that harsh soap. The point is not to destroy the clothing. The point is to cleanse the clothing. But I want you to see a reason why. If you keep reading as you move down, I want you to jump to the end of of verse four. And he says, the whole point is I'm going to cleanse you and purify you so that you can offer right sacrifices to me again. All right, so we have to take a step back. Remember back in chapter one of Malachi, what the people are doing? People in Malachi's day are saying, it is such a weariness to serve God. Oh, it is such a tiring thing. It is so exhausting that we have to bring our sacrifices. We really hate doing this. So what we will do is we will bring animals that we don't even want. We will bring the lame and the blind and the broken that are completely not valuable to us. And we'll give those to God because we don't want to worship God because it's so exhausting. And if you remember in chapter one, God said, I wish somebody had the courage to close the doors, to shut it down, because if your mentality of worshiping God is that it is exhausting and tiring and a pain, you're wasting your time. And so he says, I just wish somebody just locked that thing up. Just forget it. But notice what he's now doing in chapter three. He's saying, so what I'm going to do is I myself am going to come 
And I'm going to purify these people so that they can now offer me right sacrifices. There's going to be a purifying, a burning that's going to happen in this metaphorical language to get the people's hearts right with God so that they can now participate in a proper worship before him so that God can be their God and these people can ultimately belong to him. Now, here's my first big deal with all of this that I think is is really important, especially in our day and time. I want you to hear that what God is saying here in verses one to four is not, all right, you say, where's the God of justice? I'm gonna come and I'm gonna tell you everything's great. You all just keep doing what you're doing. Y'all are doing a great job. Really appreciate it. Appreciate how you, you know, you're giving me what you're giving me. It's going to be fantastic. Love it. Just keep doing what you're doing. I want you to notice what God says is here's what I'm going to do is when I come, I'm going to change people. In fact, when I come, it's supposed to change everybody. It is supposed to cause a dramatic change in the hearts and in the lives of everyone. That's what he's picturing. I'm throwing everybody in the fire. I'm throwing everybody in the washing machine. Everybody is supposed to be cleansed. Everybody's supposed to be purified. That's why I'm coming is to be able to do this. No one is supposed to have Jesus come and them go, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. That's not God's goal. And oh boy, we really live in a time where that's the kind of God we want. We want a God who says approval to us and I don't have to change in the slightest. And I want you to hear God making this promise way on back here, 400 years before Christ would come, before God himself would step foot on the earth. And he's telling the people, he says, I want you to know something. When I come, the whole point is to get every single person to change how they're living. Now, the New Testament gives a great picture of that. I love the Apostle Paul. Listen to how the Apostle Paul said it. When he wrote to Titus, he said, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. Parenthesis, Christ has come. Right? The grace of God has appeared, and it's brought salvation to everyone. God himself has come. What's that supposed to do? Warm fuzzies, as we all said, or no. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passion. Him coming is supposed to be this wake up call to us that says we need to stop with the ungodliness and the worldly passions and instead live controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age, waiting for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our God, the Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is this big picture. He came so that you would stop with ungodliness, that you would stop with worldly passions. Can I just simplify that? That you'd stop doing what just sounds good to you and instead live self-controlled, Upright, godly lives while we wait for his coming. Now listen to how he ends this. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from what? Lawlessness and to purify. You hear him borrowing some Malachi here? 
to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. The idea of him coming is supposed to change everything about us. And that's the whole simple sentence that the Apostle Paul is giving here in Titus. Is if you've heard of the grace of God. And you know that salvation is now available to all. Then here's the life change that's supposed to happen. It's supposed to make us stop sinning. Not continue in sin. It's supposed to move us toward righteousness because we've been redeemed from our sinful and evil ways. The big picture that Malachi is trying to communicate to these people and to us. And if we are going to have a fresh faith for 2024, you're pushing the reset button. You're getting the resolutions ready. You're rubbing your hands and saying next week. All right. All new me. All new everything. Here's the big deal that God's getting at. Fresh faith for the new year means you are going to let God change you. You're going to let God change you. You're not going to keep doing what you've always been doing. You're going to let God change your life. Now, I want to give one other picture with this. It's the picture that's given here in verse verse 5. And before we read verse 5, I want you to think about Some of you were nodding your head when I talked about all the gold shows out there and throwing medals and fire and you burn off all all of that. What happens to the metal that's not pure that gets thrown into that refining fire? Kind of just melts away into this useless mass. It just kind of sits there, you know, right there you go. Why don't you see God keeps the image going. Verse five. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. And I'll be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, oppress the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the foreigner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. Here is a picture that God says, all right, so when I come, I'm purifying. And this is going to entail ultimately a judgment. And so here's what I want you to hear God say. Let's back up and get a sense. The people are saying, where is the God of justice? He delights in us, even though we live how we want to live and we do what we want to do. He's perfectly fine with that. He's Fine with our sins. We can just keep going on. And I want you to hear how God is answering this this question. By first pointing out, his coming is the starting of this refining fire. The whole point of his coming is to begin the process of burning off the impurities, of removing the things that are filthy and dirty, to move us toward righteousness, to get all of that uncleanness off of us. Now, have you thought about what is, how does that an answer? Like God doesn't care about our sin. And God goes, no, no, I care. I'm coming and I'm putting you in a refining fire. How is that the answer? Here's the answer. What God is always doing is giving us time to get those impurities burned off before judgment. 
It is always fascinating and funny in a way to me that we are very fast to talk to God and say, hey, where's the God of justice? You need to do something. And God could answer and go, great, I'll start with you. And we go, oh, oh, hey, give me a little bit of time, a little bit of patience, a little bit of grace. You know, you know let, let's not be hasty here. See, the people are going around saying God doesn't do anything for hundreds of years. We just keep sinning and everything's fine. We can just keep doing that, right? And God's going, no, you don't understand. I'm giving you time. I'm giving you time. I'm putting you in the fire and I'm giving you time to burn off the impurities. I'm giving time for you to get the uncleanness off of you. I'm trying to purify you. I'm trying to get you ready. In fact, notice how God makes that point in verse six, where he says, here's my very character. Here's who I am. And that's why you're not consumed. You know, verse two could have just said when the people go, where's the God of justice? He could go, "Okay, here. (laughs) Justice. There you go. How do you like that? I'm always amazed by that at the cross. I've used that this illustration before, but I'm always amazed by that at the cross. The mockers are shouting at Jesus on the cross. If you're the son of God, come down. Can you imagine? I just, I would have been like, watch these nails come out of my hands and feet. Drop down. You all are in trouble now, folks. I am God. But in every instance, God is saying, I'm giving you time to repent. I'm giving you time to change your life. I'm giving you time to get the impurities out of there. I'm giving you time for cleanliness. Here you are saying, God doesn't care about sin. I care about sin. And the reason I came was to purify you. I'm giving you time to change. The whole idea of God coming is to get people to change. Remember that white screen like a few screens ago? His whole point is so that when he comes, nobody stays the same. And then people go to God and go, you're not going to do anything. And he goes, oh, wait, just hold on. I'm giving you time. Because in verse five, he says, I'm going to judge those who don't fear me. And I'm going to judge those who haven't got those impurities burned off. And I'm going to judge those who have refused to be made clean. By my work that I'm trying to accomplish. Listen to how the Apostle John worded that idea. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Do I wish I had 10 minutes to talk about that? Just just let that sink in a minute. We're going to see him as he is. Oh, that's going to be great. Now, listen to his point. So everyone who thus hopes in him, what hope? That we're going to be like him and see him as he is. Purifies himself. Everyone who's a child of God understands That we're in the fire right now. 
And there's supposed to be a burning off of impurities. That we're in the washing machine right now. And there's supposed to be a cleansing that's happening. I suppose I could go around the room and ask people, did you feel like you were in the fire in 2023? Did you feel like you were going through some hard things? Were things pretty rough? I want you to see, here's God's answer. I have you in the fire and I'm using these things to purify you. If you're like me, I would like to stand before God and say, well, you know, I've got, I I don't need the fire anymore. I don't need the washing machine anymore. Lord, I'm I'm good. I'm ready. I, uh, I just, just, just take me home. And God's answer always to that is there's more to clean off. I look at myself and go, oh, no, you've got it all. He goes, no, no, I've missed a lot of spots. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me put you back in another cycle. You need, need, to, need another go around. I, I want to say I'm ready and good. And God is the one who's got the magnifying glass and says, no, no, you need some more time. Now, please see that as the grace of God. I want to stand before God and go, I'm ready. He goes, you're not ready. There's more purification that needs to happen. And the reason I've come is so that purification would occur. I want you to be clean so that, like John says, that you can have that hope. That your hope is you're going to see him as he is. You're going to be with him face to face. You're going to be like him. But there needs to be a purification that happens now. There needs to be some work. There needs to be some cleansing. And so what God has us go through, whether they are good times or whether they are bad times, is he is putting us in a daily fire. Some days it can feel like the fire's pretty hot. Some days it doesn't feel quite so bad. But every single day is a day of your purification and cleansing. Listen to how James put it. James said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, don't, don't stop reading because I just I want that part right there, right? I just want to end it right. Okay, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. But read the rest. Okay, if you're going to draw near to God, what has to happen? Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. Same imagery that Malachi is getting at. The Lord came to warn us and convince us that we need to change our lives. You just don't have Jesus coming into the New Testament and going, everybody's doing great. Just keep doing what you're doing. I don't even know why I'm here. You guys are just, you know, slaying it in terms of your spirituality. People get so offended that the idea of coming to Jesus means you have to change your life. If you don't have to change your life, why'd he come? The whole point is to help you see the uncleanness, to point out the impurities, to convict our hearts, because he came to redeem us from these worthless things so that we can see him face to face in all eternity. That's what it's all about. So rather than coming to God and coming to his word, Being offended when your heart is convicted, when you read, oh man, he says I've got to change this and I've got to stop doing that and I've got to start doing this and here's all the things that I need to be doing. Don't be offended by that. 
Don't be upset about that. Be grateful that God is preparing you for eternity. Be grateful that what this is about is getting you ready to see God face to face. And we can't stand dirty before God. And so he's cleaning and he's refining. And friends, I want you to think of this. God has given us yet another year to come to him and to be purified and get ready. I think about, for me, for 48 years, he has been refining and refining and purifying and cleansing and refining and purifying. 48 years of it. Lord willing, he'll say he needs another year. <laughs> put, put him another year, put him back in the fire again. He needs, he needs the washing machine yet one more year. That's all right. Because I want to see him face to face. I want to see him as he is. And I want to enjoy that eternity with him. Friends, come into this year embracing change. Come into this year embracing being convicted by what God says needs to be changed. Don't run from that because here's the good news of the gospel. He's tried to convict you because he'll forgive you of your sins so that you can be right with him. That's what he's trying to do for you. That's what this is all about. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for coming into this world. And thank you for coming with a purpose of cleansing. Lord, you could have easily come into this world with the only intent of destruction because we are all unworthy of you. We are full of sin. We have fallen short. We have not been what you have called us to be. We are not the light and the salt that you have desired of us. And certainly, Lord, we are worthy of your judgment in every way for not fearing you as you have asked. For however old we are, Lord, thank you for giving us this much of our lives and being patient with us this long. As you have worked to refine us and purify us and cleanse us. And Lord, thank you for that continued mercy toward us. And Lord, I pray that it would not be lost upon us. The amount of time that you have given us to get ready to see you face to face. And Lord, I pray for each of us in this room that this year would be even a greater year in terms of our spirituality and our devotion and our godliness and our faithfulness. Lord, expose those areas where we need to be refined. Lord, show us those areas where we need cleansing. And then, Lord, give us the courage and the faith and the strength to accept the challenge that you've given us to be new creatures and new people. Help us not to close our eyes to the areas of our weaknesses and failures and sins, but instead walk into those moments and fight faithfully with your armor that you've given to us. And so, Lord, we pray that you help us. And we know, Lord, that this is only possible 
because your son came and your son died and your son rose from the dead and your son rose back to sit at the right hand next to you. Lord, we thank you so much for what your son has accomplished for us. And we pray that we would live as a people that have been redeemed from lawlessness and that we would do good works as a purified people for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now Malachi warns them, don't say to him, God doesn't care. He cares. But he's giving us time. He's giving us time to work those things out with him, to remove those sins, and to get right with him before it's too late. Friend, if you are convicted this morning that you need to get right with God before it is too late, I don't know of a better way to start off your year but then walking with God. Just a couple of days ago, Harvey made that, made that decision that he would give his life to Jesus. He was immersed in water for the forgiveness of his sins. It was an exciting, exciting day for that. And the opportunity is, is for you as well. He came up out of the water and said, I don't think I could feel much better. And I said, you're right. I said, you're right. You can't feel much better than this. And you can too. You can be cleansed. You can have sins washed away. And you can start working on the very thing that God said he's doing. He's going to start working on getting those impurities out of your life. We want you to do that. Can we help you in any way? You can talk to one of us afterward or you can come forward now while we stand and while we sing.